0: What's up, guys? Your boy Jalen here back with another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast the Bleeding b g Podcast, excuse me, Bleeding Burgundy and Goat. So guys, this is episode 22 and I am here with a Richmond recap. So today is Sunday, August 1st, and I actually spent the last three days from Thursday afternoon until Saturday evening covering the Washington football team at their training camp in Richmond. So I'm just going to give you guys a lot of the biggest takeaways from camp, some things that I observed. So this podcast this is going to be too long. I'm going to give you some quick hitter information, some news and nuggets. But first, I want to say thank you to all the amazing people that I met down at Richmond. I met a lot of people from the Washington football team community, a lot of people that I have interacted with on my social media such as my Twitter and my Instagram pages, as well as my YouTube, and some other people that I hadn't met at all, but we Formed pretty close friendships over that three day span at Richmond. I also want to give a shout out to the organization. This is about my third training camp going to Richmond. And this is my first one actually as a season ticket holder. And this training camp experience was none like any other. Um, From the VIP breakfast that we had early Saturday before practice. Or just the VIP treatment that that I was getting treated with all weekend. Um, you can see that this this process is on the ups with the Washington football team community. This organization is not going only where, anywhere but for it. And I am really excited about the things and the future that of this organization, um, especially from what I've saw the last couple of days at Richmond. So for my YouTube fam, you can see I'm rocking my training camp 2021 t-shirt. And this was one of the few giveaways that they did over the course of the week. So um, like I said, I had a, an amazing time Time in Richmond. It's a tradition that I want to start. I want to start doing this every year. I don't know how many more summers that the Washington football team is going to be in Richmond, but wherever training camp is, you can guarantee that your boy Jalen from Breeding Burgundy and Goat will be there. I had that fun of a time. Alright, so like I said, not going to give you guys a too long, too long of an episode because we're getting to the nitty gritty of the football season. So I just want to get this news and information out covering the uh, Washington football team's performance at the Richmond training camp. Just giving you some of the insightful analysis that I saw while I was out there. Um, if you guys follow my social media pages, you notice that I was giving you guys posts daily um, as I was observing training camp um, throughout the seven, the one-on-ones, throughout the 11-on-11 sessions. Um, and if you haven't had a chance, please go do that. Please follow my Instagram and my social media pages. I'll mention those at the end of every episode, at the end of this one as well, like I do with every episode. Um, but for now, I just want to go over the biggest takeaways that I got from Richmond Training Camp, which I said was an amazing experience. So, the biggest training um uh, the biggest takeaway I got from the Washington Football team's chime and training camp is that Landon Collins is back, ladies and gentlemen. Landon Collins is back. This is a guy that suffered an Achilles t- uh, tendon injury practically on Halloween so that's about nine months ago and he said that he actually recovered in about seven and a half months and it looks like Atlanta Collins is back Landon Collins was flying all over the field and I'm kind of upset at myself at n- not really not really because this is this is an incredible recovery you know um, if you guys checked out my 53 um, man roster prediction episode where I was talking about how Landon may start camp on the PUP just simply because those injuries don't tend to heal that fast an Achilles tendon injury is a 9 to 12 month injury and that's especially for guys like basketball players who are leaner and a lot, a, a lot leaner and a lot skinnier and and don't carry as much weight on their frame as um, football players. But that's actually something that I want to mention mention when talking about Landon. Landon looks lean out there. Um, I know we all, and rightfully so, Landon Collins has had the label of a box safety since he's entered the league. You know, he's somebody that has had um, seasons where he's had over 100 tackles, and covering hasn't necessarily been his strong suit. But another reason why I think Landon has been labeled as a box safety is his body type. He tends to you know, weigh around 225 to 230 pounds, embracing that strong suit. Safety role, embracing that extra defender in the box role, but that is something that's going to be completely different this year. Landon looks about 210 and 200 to 215 pounds, and it is showing in his play. He is flying all over the field. I just mentioned that, you know, one of Landon's presumed weaknesses is his coverage, but it didn't look as such in Richmond. You know, the last two days that I was there, Friday and Saturday, on Saturday he had two interceptions. On Friday, he had a near interception where he broke in front of John on something that would have, on a play that would have been an interception if it wasn't thrown over everybody's head. The break was that phenomenal. You know, he's 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 still being the landing, you know, attacking ball carriers. And you know, one of the things that actually shocked us or threw us off about Landon was his issues tackling when he joined the Washington football team because that's something that seemed to be his strong suit throughout Alabama and his NFL career. So I know I need to take this stuff with a grain of salt because the pads haven't come on yet. Those actually start on tomorrow when the Team actually gets back to Ashburn and have the rest of their training camp sessions at the practice facility. But Landon looks phenomenal. They had him paired with Bobby McCain and Cam Curl, and when they were when they were um, when they were out there with them, Landon was playing almost exclusively the strong safety role. Well, that's telling you that that they believe that Landon is the best player in that role. So we got to figure out what to what to do with guys like Cam Curl and Bobby McLean. I'm not saying that Cam Carroll didn't have a didn't have an amazing um, training camp as well, but Landon Collins was clearly the best safety on the field. He ran with the ones and the twos. He started. Um, when I went uh, to the Thursday walkthrough, he actually started with the twos, but after that, from Friday to Saturday and on, he just played with the ones and primarily with Cam Curl playing that free safety role. So, guys, my biggest training camp takeaway is Landon Collins looks back and he looks better than ever. It's something that he mentioned in his interview with JP when they were asking, you know, why, why what's, what what happened with this quick recovery time? He mentioned that he had to lose weight and he had to you know self reflect on him as a player because you know the season that he was happened before his injury wasn't the season that he wanted. And you can tell that he's fully committed to being... Going back to being that first team all pro type selection that he had during his 2016 season with the Giants. And he said that, you know, one of the things that actually like rejuvenated him and make and made him really attack his rehab is knowing that he had a D-Line like the one that he had with the New York Giants with guys like Olivier Vernon and JPP, which actually, you know, resulted in him having that tremendous season in the 2016 season. So my biggest takeaway, guys, is Landon Collins is back and better than ever. All right, my next takeaway, my next takeaway from our triumph in Richmond is that the wide receiver six to seven, the back half of the wide receiver death chart, depth cha, chart, you know, roster position battle is heating up. Uh, you know, guys like Kelvin Harmon, DeAndre Carter, and Antonio Gandy, Golden. All flashed while I was out there during my three-day stint in Richmond. Kelvin Harmon probably had the best practice on Friday. But, you know, a guy like DeAndre Carter actually stole the show on Saturday having multiple touchdowns. He actually uh, caught a fade ball over Troy Apke. You know, he had a jet sweep with the ones, which is something that I expect, you know, Curtis Samuel, whenever he is healthy, whenever that groin comes back to, you know, being fully 100% or wherever he, you know... Gets, gets off the COVID list because, you know, he's having a double whammy right now. He has, He's on the COVID list as well as dealing with his groin injury. So, you know, I don't expect that DeAndre Carter to have too many reps, but he's making the most out of his especially um, during his time in Richmond. He caught it, like I said, he caught a fade ball over Troy Apke. He ran a jet reverse um, with the first team. He was in with the first team running slot reps and things like that. And, you know, something, one thing that's evident is that his speed jumps off the page. And one thing that I also noticed throughout the time in Richmond is that whenever they were doing punt return and kick return duties, De'Andre Carter was getting a lot of the first reps. You know, guys like um, Steve Sims and Isaiah Wright were back there practicing with them. but the first guy out there, you know, catching and fielding all the punts and the kicks was De'Andre Carter. So, you know, Ron is somebody that values positional flex and positional value. And team speed and DeAndre Carter checks off all those boxes so look out for the name DeAndre Carter when roster cops come I didn't particularly have DeAndre Carter making a 53 man roster initially but you know the way that he's he's performing in camp and things like that he is shocking a lot of people not just me there were a lot of guys in the um, in the stands and things like that like who's this number 16 guy because his speed was just popping off that much guys and look DeAndre Carter that's a name that watch out for. One of the reasons that DeAndre Carter is named is a name to watch out for is because a guy like Isaiah Wright who I did make have making the initial 50 man roster is struggling. Isaiah Wright is struggling, guys. Um, I don't think that he's really a traditional receiver, and that's something that I touched based on um, when I was making the 53-man projections. Actually, um, adding seven wide receivers to the roster instead of your typical six, but he's struggling even in his spot duty roles. Um, he's struggling coming out of his breaks. He's struggling having, you know, he's struggling creating separation, whether that be in teams or in one-on-one drills. He's 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 had his fair share of struggles, even in the water through um, he ended up did he did end up catching a ball but he had to you know speed up to a ball where he was jogging through a route and walkthroughs and I don't think that Isaiah Wright is having a particularly great cap and it's something that pains me because I do like Isaiah Wright as a player I had him making the initial 53 man roster I'm not sure I'm not so sure that that's a lot at this point um, after you know evaluating and observing the guys at Richmond so some names to look out for for that back half of the receiver depth chart roster it's Kelvin Harmon who has showed that he's he's almost 100% back guys um, he showed some pop um, he's never going to be a burner he wasn't before his injury but he showed the same you know gear that he did before his injury and he creates a lot of separation due to his physicality especially at the top of a route um, one thing that I noticed is that his comeback is probably his best route because he's so physical at the top of that route he creates separation even um, he had a rap in one on ones where he even he he destroyed William Jackson. Um, He destroyed William Jackson on the comeback route. Now granted it was only like an 11-10 yard game but you know those are the type of plays and the type of receiver the possession receiver role that Kelvin Harmon is looking to fulfill that moves the chains and you need that type of guy to be a staple in your offense. So look for a guy like Kelvin Harmon, DeAndre Carter or AGG who's making his fair share of plays as well. Um, He's catching his fair share of 50-50 balls and things like that but he does still tend to uh, struggle separating from DBs and things like that so, keeping in touch with the Robert receiver position, I'm gonna let you guys know now. Adam Humphreys is a lot. So, all you guys that you know were with the high takes, having our friends, you know, roster bubble guys. I don't know if Adam Humphreys is gonna make this roster, and I respect it because you know, it's, I'm all about the content and things like that. But Adam Humphreys is a lot, he is he he has the chemistry. Fish Brian Fitzpatrick threw the Adam Fit uh, Adam Humphreys more than any other receiver not named Terry McLaurin over my three um, days in Richmond, and he was producing. Adam Humphries has a keen knack of sitting down and finding empty spots in the zone where, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick knows where to find him, and you can see that chemistry uh, throughout the time in Richmond. Through, through the plethora of days, it wasn't just a one day thing. Through Thursday, through Friday, through Saturday, every day that I was there, you can see that the Adam Humphries and Ryan Fitzpatrick connection is evident, especially, you know, with the time that they spent in Tampa Bay. And so I, I think a lot of guys that, you know, were predicting Adam Humphreys to be a fringe roster guy, they forget that Adam Humphreys had his best seasons. Of his career with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's something that just doesn't go away. That was just in the 2018 season, so let's see if these guys can rekindle some of the magic that they had in those years. But I'm letting you guys know now, Jalen there bleeding BNG is letting you know now that Adam Humphries is a rock, is a roster lock. And this is my last note on the wide receivers, but it has to be said, Terry McLaurin is a goddamn beast. Terry McLaurin is a goddamn beast. I don't think anybody is going to be stopping Terry McLaurin this year. Um, he's, he's giving it to you any type of way. You know, this is my first training camp actually since the Washington, uh, going to since the Washington football team drafted Terry McLaurin, but he's a goddamn beast. He, he he does it all. Catching 50-50 balls. I, I know you guys have seen by now on the social media pages where he's catching the over-shoulder ball over William Jackson on the deep route. But he's even he's killing guys on short routes. The route running is precise. The speed jumps off. The 4-3 speed. It's like, what? I saw Terry caught a drag on the other side of the field cut it upfield, and took the angle away from everybody on a play where he easily would have scored on. The guy is a stud. Terry McLaurin, you are ridiculous. That's why I was on this podcast a couple of months ago, sweating and writing when that has you ranked like at the, the 19th best receiver in the NFL. Oh, 17th. PFF, you deserve to be slapped, like I said two months ago. And, I, and it confirmed it. Me seeing it in person actually confirmed it, that Terry McLaurin is a damn dog. It's a damn dog. And let me tell you how much of a dog that Terry McLaurin is. On Friday, Terry McLaurin made play after play after play where I got up out of my seat and at the training camp they had like a trailer where they had the uh, the team store where the fanatics was offering like team apparel and things like that. I got up out of my seat after observing Terry McLaurin abuse every DB that we had. I went during practice and I bought myself a Terry McLaurin jersey just to solidify my love that I had for this dog. An official Terry McLaurin jersey that I spent $180 for and I had no problem doing it because I love supporting dogs. And that is what Terry McLaurin is. So you guys see, especially if you follow me on the YouTube page, I'll be sure to post this. This will probably be the clip that I use. As you know, my, my, my cliffhanger, my thumbnail uh, for my social media pages. But Terry McLaurin, you have a supporter in Jalen over Bleeding and B and B and B&G. And that's how dominant he was during his time in Richmond. Like I said, the route running. He was catching sideline balls. What? And here it is. Guys, look for this because this is something that I noticed over the course of three days where they had the connection. Terry McLaurin and Ryan Fitzpatrick have a connection on this 20-yard inside dig route where it's unstoppable. Nobody was guard- was guarding it. He was leaving William Jackson in five yards and dust. Kendall Fuller with five yards of dust. Like, it, it, it was ridiculous. Terry McLaurin, you are that guy. And, you know, seeing, seeing guys like Gary Clark up there at training camp. Shout out, Gary Clark. I did get a picture with you. It, it just reminds me of the elite athleticism that we have at the wide receiver position. And the guy like Terry McLaurin exudes that. So, shout out, Terry McLaurin. You're a goddamn dog, bro. You're that dude. So, going on to another takeaway that I had from the Richmond training camp is our rookie class is physically imposing. So, you can see that, you know, one of the tendencies or one of the traits or one of the foundational things that the our front office looks for now with Coach Rivera, uh, Martin Mayhew, and Marty Herney is the height, weight, and speed specimens. So, we have three three um, players that we drafted in this rookie class and Samuel Cosme, Jamin Davis, uh, Jamin Davis and Benjamin St. Juice, who are all All the biggest players in their position group. Now, Cosby may not be the, the heaviest player amongst all the offensive tackles, but at 6'8", he's looking down at everybody. Granted, Cornelius Lucas, who is listed at 6'8", does have COVID and is in the COVID protocol, so he didn't participate in any of the practices at Richmond. But everybody else that was on the roster, that was on the field, Samuel Cosby is looking down at them. It looks like Jamin Davis, who's listed at nearly 6'4", is nearly a half a head taller than every other linebacker. He's out there with a 10-year back. Veteran or a uh, multi-year veteran like John Bostick and John Bostick looks like his son standing beside him. Jamie Davis, we have some physical specimens, and then Benjamin St. Juice, who's surely the biggest cornerback on the roster, if not the biggest cornerback in the NFL, over six foot three. We we have a physically imposing rookie draft cast, and the team speed is there. The team speed is there. So you see. Height, weight, and speed. Height, weight, and speed. So expect a lot of flashy plays, not only on the offensive side, but on the defensive side of the ball as well. So moving on to another takeaway I got from training camp is, guys, I hate to say it, but you know us at Bleeding B&G, we're going to keep it real with you. Antonio Gibson doesn't look right. He does not look 100%. Um, And the day that I wasn't there on Wednesday, I actually listened to the Redskins talk pod and Pete and JP both said that Gibson did not look 100%, looked like he had a hitch in his giddy up and things like that. And then when I got down there um, on Thursday, it was like a complete 180. He was looking spry. I heard that in the earlier practice that day. Granted, I, got, I came during the walkthrough later that evening, but um, my guys over, um, my guys, Tay and Todd and um, Rio Robinson, they told me, like, no, Gibson's good. Gibson's ready to go. But then come su- Sunday, when the team is going into the goal line work, he has his first rep, where he gives, like, a hard shoulder dip, and it was an impressive move. But you see, as soon as he gave that move, he just gave, gave out. He just, he's just, like, pulled up. He pulled up, ran out of bounds, and then limped back over to the sideline. And I didn't notice him getting much work after that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it has something to do with the toe. Because like I said, it was right after he gave that hard cut inside, he bounced outside, and it was like, ah, he just didn't have anything else to get, you know, to cut it back up, potentially for a score. He just ran out of bounds and then proceeded to limp over to the sideline. So that is something to look out for, especially for your uh, fantasy football guys and things like that, who expect Antonio Gibson to have a huge year. That's me included. I expect them to have somewhere along the lines of 1,750 um, all-purpose yards and 17 touchdowns. And the way that he was looking in Richmond, not looking 100%, is, is is making me nervous. Making me nervous on that on that projection and that prediction because if he can't give it to you in practice, come August, you know, hey, the season is here, guys. Like preseason starts in two weeks and we play the um, San Diego Chargers in about 40 days. So the season is here. So hopefully he can recover and get to nearly uh, near 100% by that time. But as of right now, during my time and my observation in Richmond, Antonio Gibson was far from 100%. All right, moving on to another takeaway. And this one is one of the bigger takeaways. Uh, maybe maybe second biggest, in my opinion, um, behind the Landon College situation where he's looking like a complete stud. But the takeaway that I want to mention next is that there's no QB competition at all. So I'm I'm sorry, Heineke Hive. I don't want to hear it. There's no quarterback competition. For the starting quarterback competition On the Washington football team roster And there's starting to be a little bit more Of a competition for that backup role Between Taylor Heineke and Cal Island Not saying that Taylor Heineke Has looked horrible, but he doesn't look like The guy that we saw in that Carolina Panthers and that Tampa Bay Buccaneers Game. Now granted, Taylor Heineke Is a guy who makes his mark And makes his calling on extending plays Which is something that you're not going to do In a training camp situation or a training camp Practice where plays are often blown dead but Taylor Heineke does not look like the guy that we saw late last season and he doesn't look anywhere close to what Brian Fitzpatrick has done. Brian Fitzpatrick had a pretty shaky day on Thursday during the walkthroughs. The ball wasn't quite leaving his hands right but on Friday as I mentioned the connections between him and Terry but he was just hitting he was hitting guys left and right Throwing a bunch of YOLO balls, if you don't know what a YOLO ball is, is a 50-50 jump ball where guys were actually coming down with it. I, I know you saw the one on social media with Terry coming down with it. There was a play where Kelvin Harmon came down with it. There was a play where Antonio Gandy-Golden came down with a 50-50 ball. And all of these balls came from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, he's living up to his gunslinger mentality and giving, you know, the receiver a chance to make a play. So we all talk about Fitz magic, you know, with his interception and things like that and that's you know because he's going to give his guys a chance to make a play and the receivers were making plays in richmond yes they were they were attacking those 50 50 yolo balls and it wasn't even 50 50 at a point like when you when you get to having four or five of those in one day the percentages you know often rise maybe a 75 25 ball because that's what it looked like so the the quarterback competition there isn't any I don't want to hear anything from the Heineke Hive. I love Taylor Heineke, but there isn't any. Um, you know, he had mentioned in his press conference on Friday that he believed that he struggled throwing left, so that's something that us over at Bleeding B&G took keen information to, and we kept the eye out for it, and in his first seven pass attempts yesterday, he didn't even look to the left. It was either a completion or an incompletion to the right or the middle without him even glancing over to the left. So, that's something to look out for, guys, because then, you know, defensive coordinators and and defensive backs and defensive players, all elite minds in the NFL game, you know, all minds more sharp than, you know, little old Jalen and Bleeding B and G, they're going to pick up on that tendency and start cutting off half of the field and making them, you know, forcing overloading the uh, right side in the middle of the defense where he's going to have to make a play outside the numbers on the left side. So, that's something to look out for. Another takeaway that I got from um, Richmond is that the defense line is the closest unit on the field guys and that's important because that's the best unit that we have on our roster but those guys are nearly inseparable whether that be the defensive tackles or the defensive ends whether that be in between drills during drills and during 11 on 11s when they're rotating in and out the defensive line is the closest unit on the field those guys are always beside each other and things like that um, always talking always communicating and here's one of the examples that I um, actually picked up on there was actually an altercation between... (laughs) Montez Sweat and uh, uh, altercations are a pretty big word, but tempers flared between Montez Sweat and Tamerik Hemerway, with uh, tight end Tamerik Hemerway, where he kind of sustained the block too long. Sweat took some exception, and Chase Young, being the leader that he is, stepped in for his buddy Montez Sweat. Hemerway took exception as, um Chase stepping in. Chase just went berserk, talking. He took. He told the whole, the entire media was shocked. Chase Young said, I throw hands," and talking to Tamaric Hemerway from the middle of the field as as Tamir was getting escorted off to the sideline. And he said, if you want to throw ads, you can meet me on this side of the field as well. Like, it got, it tempers were flaring. And then two plays later, after, you know, a good run by Taylor Heineke, where he actually faked out Montez Sweat on the um, pitch play, Um, Cole Holcomb and Samus Reyes got into it, where Cole Holcomb just... Went and teed off and punched Sami's in the face. And Siamese, you know, that Chilean, you know, that Chilean were already blood. He, he he went back home real quick and flashed and put cold in a minor chokehold that he didn't uh, sustain for long. Um, but tempers actually flared um, during the Washington football team's practice on Friday. I don't know if it was because it was too hot. Temperatures did reach about 98 degrees that day. Um, but that was just an uh, example I wanted to mention about the close... Close, uh, closeness of the defensive line unit and things like that a few more takeaways before we're finished guys Like I said, I don't want to keep you guys too long um one thing that I did want to mention though is that the tempo of of practice seemed fast you know they used um, these clocks on the side where they actually timed every segment of practice and the players were actually transitioning from um, one drill or one station to another station very fast and you know I said this is my third training camp I actually went to the training camp in 2016 under the Jay Gooden regime where it looked like you know players were dragging it's a completely uh, complete 180 difference a complete contrast Between the things that I observed in this training camp and the last one that I observed in 2016 at Richmond, players were running from, players seemed motivated running from station to station, sideline to sideline. And 10 o'clock in the morning when practice started, David Mayo gathered all the linebackers um, at this training camp on Friday. I actually sat next to Chase Young's mom. It was a great experience. She's an amazing lady. Hey, Mrs. Young, thanks for all the um, insight that you gave me. Um, But, Dave, so we were. Standing behind the defensive line and the linebackers, so the defensive line was practicing on one end, uh, one side of the end zone, and the linebackers was practicing on the other side of the end zone. And David Mayo just, you know, brought his guys in and gave the most profane-laden rant. I'm um, trying to get his guys hyped up, of course. Um, positive, of course. Um, where it was like, whoa, dude, it's ten in the morning. Chase, even Ch- Mrs. Young, Chase, my Mo young's mom was like, oh, okay, fifty-one. I see how you're going and that just shows that you know this team is ready this team is motivated and i actually had a deeper um, look at uh, i actually had a deeper um, look into that situation because um, you know david mayo is actually somebody that was brought in during this offseason period and for me who thinks that John Bostick might actually be the surprise cut of the Washington football team training camp in 2021. That was actually something that actually threw me for a loop because for somebody who is such an established veteran and in that room and things like that, I would think that Bostick would be somebody that's galvanating his unit and things like that. But nope, it was David Mayo who, you know, was brought in by this regime. That's, that's that's not for anything, but, you know, um, John Bossie was brought in under the previous regime. He was a holdover, but, you know, Ron Rivera and Coach Del Rio has criticized his play at time, and for somebody who's have who's supposed to have this role as an established veteran, I was kind of thrown off that, you know, somebody that's that's been brought in for about two months is actually galvanizing this unit, but it was a pleasant sight to see because he had those guys fired up and ready to practice at 9.45 in the morning. It was, it was crazy. I wasn't even awake yet. He woke me up he had me ready to go run out on the field ready to go smack somebody like a Washington football team linebacker so moving on um it's clear that our top three cornerbacks are going to be William Jackson Kendall Fuller and Benjamin St. Juice with Jimmy Moreland teetering on that cornerback uh, four um, spot with Daryl Roberts uh, amongst other names like Cole Luke and things like that but um, a sight that I was actually pleased to see was that they actually kicked Kendall inside a lot playing nickel defense with um, William Jackson and Benjamin St. Juice on the outside playing boundary corners now one of the reasons that I was actually excited to see this is because this, this, this shows that we're actually putting guys where they excel you know the last time that Kendall played full time corner was in the 2017 season with the Washington Redskins at the time, where he was the best slot corner based on any any measure in the NFL. And then you have guys like William Jackson and Benjamin St. Juice, who is big at 6'3 and at over 6'3, and William Jackson who has the capability to play big with about 33 inch arms. That's 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 a match made in heaven, and that's um, giving you um, the opportunity to run zone schemes or press man schemes or press bell schemes and things like that where you have those type of specimens um, on the boundary corner position as well as the slot. So I was kind of pleased to see that. Because that shows that we're going to put our best players on the field. And I'm actually loving what I'm seeing out of Benjamin St. Juice. As I mentioned um, on Friday, Terry McLaurin was abusing everybody. But there was only one rep in one-on-ones that the DB, I would say, had the better of him. And that was Benjamin St. Juice on the actual first rep. He put his hands on Terry at the line and stoned him. It was kind of crazy to see. And like I said, this was Terry's first rep before he started abusing everybody. So I was like, whoa, what is this? Terry started walking off with a lap. It was, it was like Mel Blount out there. Like like Greg Haynes, like he just d- night train lane, just put his hands on Terry and just stonewall any momentum. I think Terry was kind of run, run, trying to run a, a slant route um, on that particular play, but Benjamin St. Juice shut that down. And he's been doing that um, with a number of receivers. Now, Terry did get him back and then proceed to whip the entire defensive back ass, and it was pretty bad. Um, But Benjamin St. Juice has flesh and he's somebody that I expect to to be a key contributor. Um, He's somebody that I expect to line up with the likes of Kenny Galladay, who's a bigger receiver. And they just just have a fist fight all game because he's that type of physical player on the boundary cornerback position. And he's that type of specimen that you need to line up with some of these big bad dudes that play the X and the Y receiver position. Okay, the last thing that I want to mention that really stuck out to me. Oh! Going back to that nickel defense that I mentioned, though, John Bostic and Jamin Davis were the first linebackers on the field in any sub packages throughout the time um, in Richmond. Now, that may change because Cole Holcomb had a really strong practice on Saturday, and I believe that... After training camp, I think that this is just the, the the coaches and things giving you know John giving John Bostic some veteran deference and things like that. But Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis are easily our two best linebackers on the field. Cole Holcomb had a one-handed catch when he did rotate in that sub package where he um, intercepted Taylor Heineke and he looked like Odell Beckham. I said, is that Cole Beckham? I was about to jump in, jump out my seat and go get a number 55 Cole Holcomb jersey from the same team store I got my Terry McLaurin jersey. It was that impressive. So, while John Bostic and Jamin Davis were your first sub package linebackers, I don't expect that to be the case for too long uh, because Cole Holcomb is coming on really strong. And I do think that those are Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb are two best linebackers on the roster. So, moving to our last takeaway from the Washington football team Richmond training camp um, 2021 is, guys, And I hate to say this because this is my guy, but same as Ray is a struggle. He's dropped passes. uh, He struggled getting off the line. He struggles finding open spots and zones. And he showed all the the tendencies that somebody that is learning the game at age 25 has shown. Now, we'll say he is a physical freak, but he doesn't necessarily stand out in our tight end room. Guys, we got four Goddamn power forwards in our tight end room and Logan Thomas at 6'6", Tameric Hemingway at 6'7", Samus Reyes is 6'5", and Ricky Sears Jones is 6'5", like he, he, all these guys are physically imposing and one of the reasons that I actually put Samus Reyes on the initial 53-man roster is because first I'm hesitant on him clear if he's going to clear waivers because he had so many people watching him during that inter uh, international players program combine at the university of florida i i just know like that that raw type of skill set is is something that's going to be hard to pass on for other teams so i don't know if he's necessarily going to make uh, clear waivers but i also thought that he was too physically imposing to pass or but as i saw that we we was trying out a goddamn starting five out of our tight end room it kind of it kind of made me feel a little bit better about you know Sammy's Reyes potentially not being on the Washington football team roster this upcoming year. So that's it guys. I told you it was going to be a quick wrap up. Hopefully you guys have more insight than you had before you listened to our episode. Like I said before, I had an amazing time at training camp. Shout out to everybody that I met during training camp because we make up an amazing Washington football team community. I had a blast talking to you guys and can't wait to see you guys throughout the season. Like I said, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm in section 135, 135 So please look out for me, and as we do for every episode, please check out our social media pages, our Instagram page, I'm going to tag it for my YouTube fam, but that's at bleeding BNG, that's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G, our Twitter handle handle is a tad bit different, that handle is spelled at bleeding B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, bng so it's only one g in our twitter handle please be sure to check us out on youtube as well at bleeding bng at bleeding burgundy and go you can search those bleeding bng bleeding burgundy and go or you can search my name jalen morgan and all bleeding bng's content is going to pop up so please subscribe um i hope you guys have checked out our new youtube intro it is fire it is fire i'll post that out on our social media pages as well Thank you guys for tuning in to, you know, another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast. Guys, football season is here. We're going to be pushing these content, much more content out, because we're going to have much more news and information to report on. So please be on the lookout for the the next episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this one. Please subscribe if you're on YouTube, if you're listening on any of our podcast platforms, but especially on Apple and Spotify. Please rate, review, and comment and subscribe because we're trying to get to that top of that algorithm. So when you're looking for anything Washington football team, Bleeding BNG is the first thing that you see. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll check in with you guys later. Peace.